I'm reading this morning from John chapter 20. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, Even so, I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Thank you. Well, happy Easter. No, that's, that was awful. Oh. Wow. Ready? Here we go. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. Amen. I was, uh, I was down at the sunrise service this morning, and it was, it was just a glorious, glorious morning in the Lord. And uh, sunrise service is always proof, always proof that God raises the dead, you know? <laughs> Uh, those people showed up, and, and I'm pretty sure they were dead, and by the end of the service, they were alive in Christ, uh, giving Him glory and praise, and we had a wonderful time in the Lord and celebrating His resurrection. One of the things I love about going out to Park Center Pond uh, down there is that as you, as you look up at the cross up on Table Rock, what happens is, right around 7.20 this morning, the, the sun rises and all of a sudden the cross you cannot see anymore Uh, you just see the risen sun and just the beauty of that and the warmth and the life that the sun brings we thank god for the cross we thank god for the cross but he's risen and he's risen indeed Amen? amen i want to tell you a story about a pastor who was visiting in italy and he went to a famous graveyard and went to visit uh, many different graves, uh, 
where famous people have been buried. And he came upon a grave where a man had been buried centuries before, but there was something that was interesting about this man. He, he was an unbeliever. He was an atheist. He wanted nothing to do with God. He was completely against Christianity. Yet at the same time, he was a little bit afraid of Christianity and all that came along with it. And so what he did is he had a huge stone slab placed on top of his grave so that he would not have to be raised from the dead. And he had insignias written all over it, all over the slab, saying this, Just in case of the resurrection, do not raise me. I do not want to be raised from the dead because I do not believe in it. Hence the slab. But here's what happened, evidently. When he was buried, centuries ago, an acorn had fallen into the grave. And so when this pastor showed up, to visit this man's grave. He showed up at the grave and that slab, that huge slab, had been split apart by this incredible, awesome oak tree that had come through the the grave and up through the slab and offered life. And there he was, standing at the graveyard of one who said, I do not want to be raised from the dead. And the pastor said, if an acorn, which has the power of biological life in it, if it can split a slab of that magnitude, what can the acorn of God's resurrection power do in a person's life? And that's why we're here this morning. Because of the power of of God, his resurrection power. And so my prayer this morning for us is that he would do a powerful, transformative, breaking into the soil of our heart kind of work. And that you would truly know his life in you. We're going to look at the resurrection story out of the Gospel of John this morning, chapter 20. And I wanted to remind you of why John wrote the book of John. He's very clear. And so that we will look through the lens of the Gospel of John by everything that he says, why he wrote it. Here's what he says. These things, everything I've written is so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Everything we read this morning out of the Gospel of John is so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name because he's risen, he's risen indeed. And so he brings us the story of the resurrection in John. As we enter into the Gospel of John, chapter 20, you're, you're finding that everybody's running. There's a lot of activity that's taking place. Mary had come, Mary Magdalene had come to put spices onto Jesus. And according to the other Gospels, she was with several other women. 
If you remember, when Jesus was crucified, it was Sabbath time, and so they had to quickly get his body off of the cross, and they got it into a tomb, but they didn't have time to put the spices. And so Mary shows up Easter morning, along with a couple other women, to place the spices onto Jesus. And as she shows up, the scriptures say that the rock had been rolled away and that the tomb was empty. And it blew her mind. And so she starts and she runs to where the disciples are hiding out. And she runs to them quickly. And she gets there and she says, Listen, he's not there. Somebody has taken Jesus. And so Peter and John listen up and they start to head out to go visit the tomb and to see what's really going on. And the scriptures are amazing. The reason, again, we know the scriptures are true is because they're so earthy and, and, and of the flesh. So here's what John says. He gets to write the book. He says, so we start going out to the tomb and we start to run. And we're running to the tomb. And, and I passed up Peter. And I got there first. And he says it over and over. He says it three times. And then, and then I went into the tomb and I looked. And then finally Peter showed up. He's kind of slow, catching on to things. And then once again, I, Peter, I went in. And then Peter went in, the guy who came in second place. And he saw. And he's like, the Lord's not here. It's like, yeah, he's not here. And they run and they're filled with awe and amazement and concern. They're not sure what's going on. The resurrection has taken place and they don't seem to get it. And you know, as I read the Gospels, I'm always amazed. I always have a question. Why is it, why is it that none of the other disciples were at the tomb of Jesus? Why weren't they there? Had not Jesus said many times as he's hanging out with these guys, Listen, here's something that's going to happen. I need to die. But I will rise again on the third day. Hey, let me tell you something. The Son of Man needs to die. But he's going to be risen again on the third day. I'm going to tell you another time. And so here is the third day. Where is everybody? Why aren't they there, expectant of the resurrection of Jesus Christ? You know, I think it's because of what their worldview was, their understanding of life and resurrection. You know, today in modern-day culture, we, we think, and as you talk with your friends who have no, no life in Christ, do not know Him, as you talk with your friends and you talk about resurrection, they say that's absurdity. We live in a scientific age. Our worldview is that we can figure everything out through science, and we don't believe in miracles. We can explain those things away that happen in the scriptures. Science is our proof. The resurrection is foolishness and absurdity. Didn't happen. It's inconceivable. You know, there was a worldview going on with the Greeks and the Romans and the Jews at the time. The Greeks had a worldview of, listen, the body and the soul are separate, 
And we don't like the body. The body's yuck. Let's get rid of that. And we want to be separated out and, and have life in the spirit and the soul. And so to come back, resurrected body, we don't want anything to do with it. We don't believe in it because that's meant to be separated out. And so they would think it's absurd. But you know what? The same was for the Jews. Resurrection was absurdity to them. Some Jews believed in the end time that there would be a renewal of the world, there would be a general resurrection with new bodies that would come. But one of the things that they could not imagine, they could not imagine a human in the flesh and all of this brokenness, they could not imagine a human being the Son of God that would be physically resurrected from death on a cross. That would be insanity. It would be absurd, foolish, inconceivable. That was their worldview. And so, on the third day, you would think, here they've come. Jesus has told them that he's going to rise from the dead. But on the third day, instead of showing up and the tomb is empty, like Jesus said it was going to be, and shouting out, yes, it has happened. What does Mary say? Somebody's taken the body. Because she doesn't believe in a physical resurrection of her Lord. Somebody's taken the body. They've stolen it. And so she's hopeless and scared and can't, can't imagine what, what they're doing to the body. Does someone take it and is destroying it? Her beautiful Lord. The thing I'm also amazed about in the scriptures is that in all of this, where nobody's at the tomb, Mary's there. Mary's there. She's an amazing woman. You know, and, and it's amazing in the scriptures about the women of the Bible. The women were the last at the cross. And the women were the first at the grave. And as you read the scriptures and you read about Mary and the Marys in the scripture, they're amazing women who understood Jesus. We talked about Lazarus' sister Mary last week and how she seemed to understand that she must anoint Jesus for death that she poured out extravagant love upon him. Mary did that. And as we read about Mary, the mother of Jesus, and how she was the most blessed of God and so faithful and devout to God and chosen by God because of her faith and her life. Beautiful Mary. And then we see Mary Magdalene in this story. You know what? If, if your name is Mary... I'm just telling you right now, you will know Jesus Christ. And if you don't know him just yet, uh, you will. You are going to get to know him. God has his hand upon Mary's for whatever reason. And they seem to get it. They seem to get Jesus and know what he's all about. And so they're loving him. And Mary shows up in brokenness and tears and longing and confusion and the whole story in this little segment right here becomes focused on Mary Magdalene. 
Who is Mary Magdalene? What was she all about? Why does John spend so much time on her in this resurrection account? The scriptures tell us that she hung out. She actually became one of the, the, one, the women who hung out with Jesus and the other disciples. And they say of her that she's with Jesus. She was the woman who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, whom had seven demons who had gone out of her. God had delivered demons out of her. And the scripture says seven demons, but seven in the scriptures is an indicator of wholeness, a lot, filled with, complete. She, she was covered and filled to the max with demons. That's what the scriptures indicate. Kind of like we see legion in the other parts of the scriptures. That was Mary. And so really, she was considered in her time, she would have been a crazy person, right? Just a nutcase running around, filled with demons. That's who Mary Magdalene was. The scriptures say that Mary came in the presence of Jesus, and behold, a woman of the city, and the scriptures say, who was a sinner. And there's an indication there, we don't know for sure, that she was a prostitute. And she came into the presence of Jesus. This is a whole nother scene, another Mary, but a whole nother scene of coming into the presence of Jesus than what we saw last week with Mary, Lazarus's sister. This Mary, Magdalene, she comes into the presence of Jesus, one who has been filled with demons, one who has known as a lifestyle as a sinner, prostitute. She steps into the presence of Jesus and she anoints him with oil And tears start to pour out. And she washes his feet with her tears. And she kisses his feet in worship and in thankfulness. Mary was a lover of Jesus. And it says, And standing at the cross of Jesus, there was Jesus' mother and his mother's sister. There was Mary, the wife of Clopas, And there at the cross was Mary Magdalene. Who is she? She's a woman who has been forgiven much. She's a woman who has been healed by the power of God, Jesus. She's been delivered from the enemy. She's a woman who has been loved even though Jesus knew her past full well. And Jesus loves her to the core. And she's a woman who is so thankful and living in the freedom of Christ. And so that's the woman who shows up at the tomb. Where's my Jesus? And then Jesus is about to give her life in a way that she never even expected. 
Jesus is about to give her resurrection gifts of new life. You know what's so interesting in Christianity? We celebrate Christmas and we give gifts and we say, oh, this is a wonderful time to give gifts. We're thankful for the gift of Jesus. But I'm just telling you, Christmas time is just an appetizer in comparison with resurrection gifts. It's just the beginning that God came in the flesh, but he came for a purpose. He came to die on the cross for our sin and to rise again. And now he gives us gifts of life, resurrection gifts. And he's about to do that with Mary and with the disciples and with you and me. And so there in the garden, Mary is weeping and she's grieving and she's hurting. And she encounters the angels and they say, why are you weeping? I don't even think, I think she's so blurry. She's just like, ah. Oh. They've taken away my Lord because she's not thinking about the resurrection. And then in verse 15, Jesus says, woman, why are you weeping? She's so distraught, she doesn't even seem to see Jesus, that the tears have, have clouded her vision. And, and she thinks that Jesus is a gardener, and I would assume she's probably getting a little upset at the gardener. What have you done with Jesus? And then Jesus is about to give her a gift. And he says this, Mary... Hear my voice. I know you. This is the gift to each of us and to Mary. He knows us. He knows your name. And he's calling your name. He knows you. Mary. John. Peter. Hear my voice. Receive my gift. He knows each and every one of you. He knows all the mess of your life. He knows all your sin against him. He knows how you've kicked against him. He knows your journey. He knows you because he knit you together in your mother's womb. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. He knows you and he calls your name and he calls you into relationship with him. Full of his love. This is what happened to you when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, didn't it? You heard Jesus calling your name. And you received the gift. You said, yes, Jesus, I know you. And I want you to be my Lord and Savior. And he gives her the gift. All of a sudden, her spiritual eyes are open. He knows her name. He loves her. His voice speaks to her. His love consumes her grief and her ache. It reminds me of the Good Shepherd in John 10. says this, I am the Good Shepherd, and I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I have laid down my life for the sheep. You know my name because I'm your shepherd. And you heard my voice when I called you, Mary, receive my gift. 
Here's the truth this morning for each and every one of us, and especially those of you who don't know Jesus yet. He's calling your name. He's inviting you into relationship with him. With the risen Lord, with Jesus Christ who died on the cross for us, for your sin, my sin, but he rose again. And that as we have life in him, as he calls our name and we receive that, we shall not perish but have life everlasting. That's the gift. What's holding you back? Truly, what's holding you back? Mary's eyes are open. She receives the gift. And then he gives her another gift that speaks this. Mary, you think you've lost everything, but here's the gift. You have gained everything in me. Look at verse 17. It's kind of a crazy verse. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, Mary, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Basically, the language says, Stop clinging on to me, Mary. It's like a... It's like a mother who has lost a child at the mall. And finally, you find the child. And you know what that's like. What do you do? You run and you wrap up that child. You hold on to them. I thought I lost you. And you're full of tears and fear and thankfulness and anger that they ran off. The whole mix. I thought I lost you. I'm not letting go. That's what Mary's like right here. But Jesus is really saying, you haven't lost anything. You've gained everything. Mary, I want you to know something. Let go because I need to ascend to the Father. What I'm really telling you is this. This body, this isn't what you're going to be holding on to anymore. There's going to be a new relationship There's going to be a new relationship. I'm going to go to the Father, and my spirit is going to come. I need to go there so that my spirit can come, and we're going to be in a new relationship where the Holy Spirit is going to come, and he's going to be with you. Not only that, he's going to live within you. Power of the resurrection. Receive my gift of everything. You're going to know me on a deeper level than you've ever known me. So let go, because there's more to come. Receive my gift. A full life, full life in me. Mary receives the gift and she takes it in and and it's sobering and her love is poured out. And then Jesus offers one more thing before she goes running back to the disciples. It's the gift of relationship with the living holy God. Look at this. Go to my brothers and say to them, I'm ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and your God. So Mary Magdalene went and she announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And he said these things to her. I have seen the Lord. Listen, here is the gift. I'm ascending to my Father and your Father. I'm ascending to my God and your God. This is the new relationship with the resurrected Jesus Christ. You now, because of my resurrection, can have relationship with the living God. Sin had separated you from that. Now, resurrection and belief in me, you have life and relationship. He's not just my God, He's your God, as you believe upon me. 
receive the gift of relationship with a living, holy God who until the resurrection of Christ we had been separated because of our sin. That's the gift. What's holding you back? Mary is so excited and can't believe the words. She goes to the disciples. Jesus who conquered death, she's full of hope. He paid the price for our sin. He's come to forgive us. We can have a relationship with him. And she shows up full of hope and speaks. And she bears witness to the disciples. Here's something that's amazing. You cannot miss this in scriptures. Mary is the first witness of the resurrected Jesus Christ. Mary! Are you crazy? If you want to start a religion a power religion based on a resurrected body of your leader. There is no way in heck that you're going to tell a story about a woman being the witness of that. Women had no weight in court. They had no weight for testimony. If you wanted to start your religion and start this power situation where Jesus is going to be our leader... And we're going to get everybody gathered together based on the testimony of this woman. It would be absolute absurdity and foolishness. Why do we know the resurrection of Jesus Christ is true? Because it happened. Because Mary bore witness of it. There's no way in the world you put that in the scriptures. No way in the world. The only reason you would put a woman's name as the main witness who saw Jesus right at the beginning is because it's true. She goes, bears witness. The other disciples are amazed by this. Because the truth is, Christ was risen. He is risen indeed. Everybody's looking for Jesus at the tomb, but he's not there anymore. He's risen, and he's moved into the hearts of people, and he's moved into their lives, and he's starting to transform them, and he's calling them by name, and he's inviting them into relationship with him, and people are changed forevermore. Why? Because it's true. There has never been anything so powerful. It's changed the course of history. Just a made-up story. Just some metaphor? Are you kidding? It's spoken of because it's true. And so the resurrected Jesus Christ continues his ministry, and now he's going to go minister with the disciples. And he shows up in the disciples' room. Sunday evening, he shows up. The doors are locked. They're scared to death. They're afraid they're going to get killed. And Jesus, you can only imagine Jesus. I, I think God's a God of humor. And so I, I imagine Jesus is talking with the Father and the Holy Spirit. The guys are hiding out in the room. I can imagine Jesus going, hey guys, watch this one. And all of a sudden, he just shows up in the middle of the room. And the other scriptures say they were freaked out. Watch this one. And he shows up right in the middle of them. And he brings them a resurrection gift. And he gives them peace. 
Jesus says to the disciples in that room, scared to death, and he says it twice in this passage, peace. It's not just shalom. It's not just that traditional greeting. Peace upon you. Jesus says, I, I, I give you peace that's like no other. You remember, remember last week we talked about Jesus is riding on the donkey on the triumphal entry. And he's riding down the hill and he gets to the bottom of the hill and he looks over the city of Jerusalem and, he, and he's weeping over it. And he says this, Would that you, even you, know on this day the things that made for peace, which is really Jesus, and the forgiveness of your sins, and life in him, and peace because you were in right relationship with God. The peace that Jesus offers is rest for your soul, that the God of the universe cares about your life, that he walks with you, and he takes you through life, it's peace because what Jesus has done for you and for me. Paid the price for our sin. That you're in a right relationship with the Holy God. Jesus said, listen, I don't give you peace like the world gives you peace. So don't be troubled. He also says that in John 14. He says, listen, I don't want you to be troubled because here's something that's true. You see... I'm going to go to my Father, and in that place, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. That's a resurrection gift. I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. And here's the deal. Here's the promise of Jesus Christ to those of us who believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. I go, I prepare a place for you. And if I go, I surely will come back like a groom to his bride. I surely will come back and I will take you to be with me where I am, resurrected with Christ in heaven, with the Heavenly Father, and together we will have eternity together, life. That's the promise. So do not be troubled. Have peace and also have a great hope of what the resurrected Christ brings. And he shows up and offers them that peace and then he does this amazing thing. He offers them the gift of grace. In the offering of peace, grace is poured out. You know, think about this. What were the guys doing the last time they saw Jesus? Where were they? They were running away. They betrayed Jesus fully. They'd skipped town. And so here's where grace is offered. Jesus doesn't show up in the middle of the room and he doesn't do this. Fellas! Where the heck were you? I thought you guys had my back. What is going on with you? What is wrong? Peter! What happened to, hey, wash all of me. Hey, Jesus, I'm totally in. Count me in. I'm right with you. Does he get on them? Does he pour shame on them? He doesn't, does he? He could have. He offers grace. And it covers their shame. They had totally failed Jesus. You ever failed Jesus? He covers your shame. He knows our brokenness. 
He knows we're scared. He knows we don't get it. He enters in with this gift. And he says, my peace is upon you. I know you're ashamed. I know you're embarrassed. You're probably feeling stupid. Jesus told us he would rise. How many times did he tell us? Third day, hello. And he covers all that. Peace. And then he shows the wounds. It's all been paid. Look, here's this receipt. Tim Keller says it's, it's this resurrection of Christ is like this incredible store receipt that you have. When you go to a department store and you buy all kinds of clothes, Tim Keller says, always make sure you have the receipt. Why? Because if you're walking around with a bag of clothes, guess what? A security guy might come up and say, hey, you got a receipt for that? And if you don't, there's consequence. You can get in a lot of trouble. So you have a receipt. The resurrection from Jesus is a receipt. So you can say to that plainclothes security guard, Oh, security guard, have nothing to do with me. Look, here's the receipt. You can't touch me. It's all been paid for. Every item in this bag, all of this junk in this bag has been paid for fully. And so Tim Keller says the resurrection is a giant receipt stamped across history for all people to see. A receipt that allows you to know that your future is certain as you believe upon Jesus Christ. And these wounds bring hope. And these wounds bring joy to the disciples. Look, it says they're, they're, they're absolutely glad and to see Jesus. The wounds bring joy. Our wounds have been healed by Christ. All of our yuck and our pain and our suffering, the wounds have been healed and paid for by the love of God. And there's more. Again, you thought Christmas was good. Resurrection gifts are so much better. Now, dear disciples, let me give you the gift of value. Know that you are so important to me that I want to have life with you and I want you to to know that I'm going to live my life through you. I have purpose for your life. You're of value. You're not a mistake. I know your sin. I know your failure. You still have value to me, God says, through his son Jesus. You have value to me. So look what he says. As the Father has sent me, the Latin is missionary, so I'm sending you. As he has sent me, I'm sending you that that people would know me and know my Father, his love through you, that you would be the hands and feet of me as you receive my gifts, so now be the one that gives gifts that people would know of life that they can have in me. That's what he offers to them. Resurrection life from the one who died on the cross And now his resurrection life is poured out into the disciples. And then he gives the biggest gift of all. And the biggest gift of all is the Holy Spirit. And it says he breathed upon them the Holy Spirit. The power of the resurrected Christ 
now breathed upon them, given to them. Here, receive the Holy Spirit. Now that you've believed upon me, here comes the Spirit into your life, and you shall now have life, new life, life like never before, new relationship like you've never experienced because of the resurrected Jesus Christ. It'll change from this point on. Not only am I going to the Father, I must go to the Father because I need to send the Holy Spirit to you. And so at this moment, in that room, he breathed the Holy Spirit upon them and empowered them in Christ. And it was new life. It reminds me of Genesis and the beginning of man. And God breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life. That which was nothing became something. It's new life. In Ezekiel 37, the valley of dry bones, Ezekiel sees this prophecy and all these bones are dead and all of a sudden God speaks through Ezekiel and says, into these bones I will breathe life, my breath, and the bones will come to life. That's the gift. New life. Resurrected life. Life-changing, transformative. You'll never be the same as you enter into relationship with a living God, a gift that he's offered to each and every one of us. You'll become like the stone statues in the Chronicles of Narnia. Remember that? The white witch had turned all of these people into stone statues. But Aslan comes in. Aslan, the lion, the one who reflects Christ. And Aslan comes roaring in into this whole area where all these stone statues are. He has conquered death. And he comes in, and the white witch had all this control over these bodies. Stone! And Aslan breathes upon the stone statues. And the stone melts away. And they're given new life. And they follow Aslan in his kingdom. That's the gift that is given. It's given to each and every one what's holding you back. And the final gift is the forgiveness of sins. He's saying, you go and you bring this gift and here's the message. The message is, your sins are forgiven. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin and mine. Jesus Christ rose again by the power of the Holy Spirit and he offers life to anyone who would believe upon his name. Go forth now. I am sending you. Preach this gospel, this good news. Your sins are forgiven. Receive me. Here's the gift. The resurrected Jesus Christ and life with him. New life. What's holding you back? Let's pray. Father, I pray this morning that your Holy Spirit would pour out upon this room. And if there's someone in this room who is hearing God call them by name, if you hear God calling your name this morning and offering you this gift of life, the scriptures say, if you would believe upon me, if you believe that my son 
Jesus died on the cross for your sin, if you would believe that He rose again, and you would invite Him as Lord and Savior, you shall be saved and you shall have life. And so for those of you this morning where Jesus is calling your name, Mary, John, Jacob, Susan, whatever your name is, God has made you fearfully and wonderfully made. Pray this prayer to receive the gift of life in Jesus. Lord Jesus, I hear you calling my name. And Lord Jesus, I'm reminded this morning of your death on the cross for my sin. Forgive me for my sin against you, Lord Jesus. But I do not want to live in this place anymore, covered with shame and guilt and sin and and unable to get out of it. I need you, Jesus. And so, Jesus, I invite you this morning to come into my heart to be Lord of my life and with your resurrection power to save me from my sin. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Thank you, Jesus, for knowing my name. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me even in the middle of my sin. Thank you, Jesus, for giving me new life today. I acknowledge you as Lord and Savior. I love you, Jesus. Amen.